How's it going, everyone? You're listening to the West Coast Bible Teacher, and this is the show where we are teaching the Word of God, one podcast at a time. And it's time for another 10 to 15 minute Bible study. These are shorter studies that we do earlier in the week, usually on Wednesday, and they serve as a nice supplement to our in-depth study on Fridays. Last week, we read through the first eight verses of Isaiah chapter 6, and I hope you were blessed by that study. I know that uh, I certainly was when preparing it. But this week, our subject passage is much shorter and consists of just two verses, which are found in the book of Romans. And these two verses together have been called by some as one of the most popular passages found in the New Testament. So let's direct our attention now to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And I'm reading this from the New International Version of Scripture. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Perhaps one of the most challenging aspects of the Christian walk is when we're struggling to know, or to perceive, what the will of God is for our lives. Some of us have to make big decisions. Should I stay at this job where I'm suffering under an abusive boss? Is it God's will for me to homeschool my children? Or instead, should I keep them in the public school environment where they're no doubt surrounded by negative influences with the kids that they're hanging out with and the material being taught by their teachers? Even with smaller day-to-day situations that arise, often we seek to know what God's will is for how to deal with those situations. How do I respond to my neighbor next door, who's playing extremely loud music at 10 o'clock at night? How do I respond when a homeless person on the street asks me for money, even though I can perceive that he's probably going to use the money I give him to go and buy more drugs? and therefore further contribute to his dehabilitating lifestyle. But is it God's will for me to still give this homeless man money? You know, isn't that the loving thing to do? What should I do? What's God's will concerning how I should live and conduct myself as a Christian, with both the big decisions I make and also the little decisions? This is a question that many Christians ask. For many Christians, unfortunately, spend a long time struggling to know the will of God for their lives. But within this passage in Romans, we get both a reason as to why so many Christians are failing to perceive what God's will is for them, and we also get insight into how one can get out of this confused state and begin to develop the discernment needed to know what God's will is for them in every situation. Now, in order to get the full picture of what Paul's saying here, we need to start at the beginning of verse 1. He says, Therefore, 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So you see what Paul's saying here at the beginning of chapter 12 is simply a continuation of what he's laid out in the previous chapters. For in the previous chapters, Paul has been speaking about the wonderful and abundant mercy of God. His love for us. His love for the remnant of Israel. The fact that we are justified by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He states in Romans chapter 5, Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. So Paul spends the first 11 chapters of Romans speaking about God's love and grace. And then finally at the beginning of chapter 12, he says, Therefore in view of God's mercy. So after realizing and understanding the significance of what God's done for us, this is how we are to respond to it. Paul says, in view of what God's done for us, we must offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, many of whom Paul was writing to were Jewish, and they no doubt were fully aware of the sacrificial system that was established within the Pentateuch, much of which we've covered in our verse-by-verse studies on Fridays. But since Jesus was the final physical sacrifice to be given, thus fulfilling all that foreshadowed him within the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant, the sacrifices that we are to offer up to God within the New Covenant are spiritual rather than physical. We are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, meaning we are to live in full submission to God. Douglas Moo writes in his renowned commentary of Romans, Paul is making a special point to emphasize that the sacrifice we are called on to make requires a dedication to the service of God in the harsh and often ambiguous life of this world. You see, a lifestyle that is fully dedicated to the Lord is, as Paul writes in verse 1, pleasing to God. God is pleased when he sees you living your life for him. It's as simple as that. And then Paul writes something that I find to be very interesting. He states, This is your true and proper worship. So presenting our bodies as living sacrifices is not only considered to be a form of worship, but the apostle is saying that this is our true and proper way of worshiping God. Dr. Thomas Constable writes, There are many ways in which we can worship God, but this is the most fundamental and important way. This service of worship should precede all other service of worship, or else worship and service are superficial. It really doesn't mean a whole lot. If on Sunday morning you're lifting up your hands and waving them all around during the praise and worship service, but then Monday through Saturday you're cursing people out, drinking every day, and going to the casino regularly to gamble. Paul the Apostle warns against such behavior in verse 2 
and indicates that one who wants to present their bodies as a living sacrifice must resist the worldly lifestyle that we're tempted to engage in each and every week. The apostle writes, "Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." If you want your life to be a living sacrifice, you got to do two things. And these two things go hand in hand. They work simultaneously. We got to regularly renew our minds through seeking the Lord in regular Bible reading and prayer. And we got to resist the carnality and lust that so often we're faced with on a regular basis. Those who are regularly renewing their minds will develop a pattern of straying away from that which is wicked and clinging close to that which is godly. And as we do all of this, as we are regularly renewing our minds and straying away from carnal practices, a transformation will take place within our thought process and outlook. To where we are then able to perceive and know what God's will is for our lives, you'll be able to test and approve God's perfect will for your life. You see, a big, if not the main reason, why so many Christians are struggling to see and understand God's will for them, is because they are not doing what the apostle instructs in verse two. They're not resisting the patterns of this world, but rather they are conformed to this world, and they're not renewing their minds regularly. They're not tuned in to the Spirit. Most Christians who attend church don't read their Bibles regularly, or pray, or even make any effort to seek out the Lord each week, and therefore there's a barrier. They're unable to see God's will in both the little things and in the big things. I like the way Everett Harrison puts it regarding this scripture, as he states, "Believers are not viewed as ignorant of God's will, but as needing to avoid blurring its outline by failure to renew the mind continually." God's will has been blurred within the minds of many. Since most people's minds nowadays are filled to the brim with the things of this world, and a lot of Christians want to know God's will, especially when making important life decisions. However, they also want to still be yoked with the things of this world: the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. This will blur our ability to see God's will. And this is why so many Christians have a lot of problems. They're saved; they do have the Holy Spirit within them; they are part of the body of Christ. However, they just can't let go of the worldly things that they engaged in prior to their conversion experience. They won't stop looking at pornography. They've gotten to the point where they just accept it as a problem that they've always had and always will. They won't stop watching television shows filled with profanity and sexuality and graphic violence, and they try to find ways to justify the choices of entertainment that they have. 
And above all, they spend most of their time engaging in these carnal worldly activities while their Bible sits on top of their refrigerator and collects dust. And therefore their spiritual armor is completely down and they're open to all the attacks possible that the enemy can get them with. And then they're going to church every Sunday crying to their friends. And they just have so many problems. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know what to do. They can't see God's will. Everything's blurred. They probably want to see God's will, but they can't because it's been blurred out. You see, when you study the Word, when you seek God regularly, when you spend hours upon hours meditating upon the truths of the Word, when you are regularly renewing your mind in all these things, you will be able to perceive how God wants you to act and behave in everything you do, in both the big decisions of life and in the little things as well. When I finally cleaned up my life and started to study my Bible intently, there were many times when I realized, holy cow, If only I would have known that two or three years before. And you'll experience this too, if you start to renew your mind regularly in the Word. And you start discovering things. You know, if only I would have known what it says in Proverbs, that a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Man, if only I knew this. If only I had this scripture in my mind years before when I got into confrontations with people and whatnot. You see, as we fill our minds with the knowledge of the scriptures, our behavior will start to line up with God's will. So you want to know what God's will is for you in both the big decisions of life and in also the little things? Well, you better start renewing your mind regularly if you haven't already. So this has been the West Coast Bible Teacher, everyone. God bless you, and I expect to see you all on Friday for our study in the Book of Numbers.